Welcome to the Patient Flow Podcast, powered by Teletracking. On today's episode of the Patient Flow Podcast, we welcome Kathy Menefee, a consultant with Teletracking's advisory services team. Kathy brings more than 30 years of clinical and executive management experience to her role and has been critical in helping Teletracking implement patient flow programs. Today, Susan McLaughlin chats with Kathy to learn about the three key things hospitals can do to improve patient flow. Let's listen in. Kathy, before we get started, could you please share some of the challenges that health systems are facing and how that can hold them back on their patient flow journey? Sure, I'll be happy to. There's several that are top of mind for me that I'm seeing out there in organizations. One is this whole shifting healthcare environment. You know, hospitals are closing. There's always consolidations and mergers, and those have the effect of decreasing access to care in many communities. The hospitals that are left then are challenged with too many patients and not enough resources, and the resources including beds and staff to provide care. Another outcome I'm seeing of this is that the capacity of larger tertiary care hospitals may also be constrained by patients that could be perhaps more appropriately cared for in a community setting. So what ends up happening is the beds in those tertiary care hospitals are not available for true tertiary level of care complex patients. A second area that I'm very interested in, too, is what seems to be a rising acuity of patients just in general. Um, Many lower acuity services are now provided on an outpatient, urgent care, or short stay basis, meaning that those patients who do present to EDs are likely to be sicker in general. There are also some environmental factors too present right now, such as the opioid crisis, which has added medical and behavioral health complexities, and associated social factors that are quite challenging to deal with, homelessness, lack of social supports, and just resources for healthcare in general. A couple more that I'll mention, this winter was a very interesting season, I think, for every hospital, certainly, that I've visited. The seasonal impacts now are really hard to predict unless you happen to have very defined or clear seasons, such as Florida and Maine, for example, which clearly have an in-season and an off-season. But weather impacts and resultant effects have been quite challenging. A seasonal impact that was worse than anyone ever imagined or predicted this past year was the influenza season, which ultimately became an epidemic. And every organization I was in struggled just to keep their doors open with having enough beds, resources, and certainly well-staffed to provide care. And then last but not least is a huge one, and this really tugs at my heart uh, as a nurse for a very long time, and that's staffing shortages. They are tremendous in all areas, clinical and support team members, nurses, environmental services workers, therapists, patient care assistants are just hard to find and keep in most areas. This makes attention to patient flow and discharge planning more important than ever and trying to make sure that the patients that really need to be in the hospital are there and have a bed. Uh, And it's also a challenge in our ability to predict the resources that will be needed to care for these patients. So staffing, again, is something all hospitals are looking at. There's some really creative ways out there that folks are trying to address it, but it is clearly one of the major challenges right now. 
And when you have that type of effective patient flow strategy, you have happy patients and you have happy staff members. So that's why your three tips are going to be uh, so incredibly powerful. Kathy, how important is it to have senior leadership as a champion when you're launching a patient flow strategy? I think having that senior leader champion is probably even more important, Susan, than having an effective patient flow council. The senior leader typically oversees the patient flow council, but has to have a very brave and passionate demeanor. So we typically look for, with our organization, C-suite leaders that are passionate about flow, that have the courage to make some tough decisions around flow and holding people accountable for good flow in hospitals. And they have to also understand a bit about the science of flow. In addition, I think having that person that can also understand that the adoption of best practices is paramount to successful patient flow and ultimately having the beds you need for patients. The engagement of that senior leader is critical to the success of any hospital or system to be able not only to make improvements, but the hard part really, as we know, is sustaining improvements. So the courage to make tough decisions and stand ground on those decisions, hold team members accountable for using not just the technology, but the best practices and standard work processes that we know work. Um, to create a safe, effective discharge and open beds for patients coming in. I should stress that this senior leader does not have to attend uh, or even chair every patient flow council meeting, but can designate a chair of the council that will then uh, engage the senior leader when needed and as needed. I think the last role that this senior leader plays that allows the organization to be tremendously successful is he or she is the voice of patient flow for the organization, clearly communicating the vision for flow and capacity, and most importantly, setting that expectation that the best practices and the technology will be used to the fullest extent. So I cannot stress the importance of selecting that leader and selecting very early, even pre-sales, you know, when the uh, organization is considering purchasing of a system such as teletracking, that leader really needs to be involved at a very high level from that point forward. Kathy, number two, if you could talk about the role a patient flow council plays and what are some of the successful attributes that that council would have? You sort of started to touch on it. If you could elaborate more, that would be great. Sure, happy to. The Patient Flow Council's ultimate role is the governing body for all things related to patient flow, capacity management, and the use of teletracking software. This is an interdisciplinary council. They determine and regularly review the process uh, or lead metrics used to assess compliance with use of patient flow practices and technology. These are things, Susan, like bed clean times, or the length of time between discharge order entry to patient departure. Then the council also manages and reviews outcome or lag metrics, the overall impact of efficient, effective flow on patients, families, the organization, and the community. Those outcome metrics can include uh, measures such as the number of ED boarding hours, length of stay, patient satisfaction. The council also sanctions and governs all improvement work. So any teams or sub-teams working on discharge readiness, for example, or perhaps piloting the use of transporters for patient discharge, the council would oversee that work, make recommendations 
approve ideas and action plans. Another key point, I think, and role of the Patient Flow Council is that technology enhancement requests go through the council for approval. That is really important to have a strong structure for that. So I think as most of our clients will know, a lot of technology enhancement requests can come in, and they're all great ideas, but somebody has to really oversee which ones will be of most benefit to the organization, and that's another role the council plays. A fun role the council plays is to celebrate and plan recognition, team member celebrations as certain goals are achieved and as metrics improve and as flow and capacity improves. Also, a couple of things about the council. The council is interdisciplinary in nature. A lot of folks always ask who should be on the council. Again, the senior leader can be on the council, can act as the chair, can designate a chair, but you need key members, representatives from nursing, med surge, ED, PACU, critical care, the medical staff, it's particularly helpful to have a hospitalist, an ER physician, uh, and perhaps a surgeon on the council, EVS, environmental services, transportation. If you have an operational excellence or performance improvement department, that's a great area to involve and have those folks set on your council. And then certainly your transfer center and or bed placement leaders would be on council. A number of hospitals find it helpful to have an ad hoc membership group as well. Depends on the organization, depends on the agenda, whether or not those members might attend. But those are typically representatives from case management, therapy, physical therapy, speech therapy, occupational therapy, lab, imaging, information technology, and others depending on the composition in the hospital. If possible, it's also great to have some direct care or service team members available to the council, especially for specific process improvement projects or sub-team work. They really bring the flavor to the council of what's happening in real time on the units and out in the hospital because they're doing the work and their input and their understanding and buy-in is tremendously important. I think probably the last thing I want to mention about the council is the agenda. The agendas need to be very, very focused. Typically what we see that works well is metrics are always covered at every meeting. What's, uh, what's working in terms of metrics, what's not, whether that's on a monthly basis or a weekly basis. Subgroup work is presented there for input to the council. Technology or equipment requests, as I mentioned. So this could also be not just the technology or changes in the system. It could be an expenditure request, for example, for portal board monitors to be installed in certain areas, or perhaps iPods for EVS or transport. The council also monitors action plans and makes sure things are moving along appropriately. And a tip that I always tell the organizations I work with is really spend some time not just talking as a council about what's going badly, what's not improving, what's not progressing in the direction you'd like for it to, but spend some time discussing what's working well and why it's working well. I think we can learn tremendous amounts from that and replicate our successes and turn our failures perhaps into successes by learning what's working in the organization. Councils, by the way, generally meet monthly. There are some organizations that choose to meet every other week, especially when they're standing up teletracking or they're making significant changes 
but consistent attendance is expected at each and every meeting. So anyone and anybody in the organization working on patient flow would report out at those meetings. And again, it can be anything from working on bed turn times to looking at placement issues around ED patients moving to inpatient beds, even first case OR starts I have seen as a sub-team action item on patient flow council agenda. So hopefully that helps a little bit. Those are just some, some key points and things that I've learned too about good, effective patient flow councils. Yeah, and it really sounds like there's a lot of flexibility built into this, that a health system can do whatever works best for them based on their particular circumstances. Absolutely. And you know, there I've worked with hospitals that have census as small as 10 uh, and others that have census as large as 1,200. And so you're right, Susan, you can modify your council, the way that you meet, when you meet, the attendance at the council based on the size and complexity of your organization. And I think that's really the great thing about it. You can make it really work for you. We'll continue our conversation with Kathy Menefee in our next episode of the Patient Flow Podcast, powered by Teletracking. This is your source for conversations with the leading experts in patient flow. Until next time.